Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television show. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill Lempe, and my buddy Sharpie. Sponsors for this season of Fargo Talks Fargo are TAG, celebrating Fargo and the Midwest community through t-shirts, art, and graphics. For more information, visit tagfargo.com. And Fargo Brewing Company's Wood Chipper India Pale Ale with its bold hop flavor and velvety body. Grab a pint or visit them online at fargobrewing.com. Welcome back to another episode of Fargo Talks Fargo. Here we are, episode five, the six ungraspables. Sharpie. Hey now. And we are super happy to have back with us our stand-in. We're doing a pre-show. Hey, Joe Riley, will you come help us out? Because if we screw something up, you won't feel bad while we fix equipment. Joe Riley, in the house. Hello, hello. Whatever Joe, he said. Yeah, Joe is, uh, Joe is the other half of Sharpie's other side project slash endeavor. Two men who love each other. That's the show that, no. <laughs> Two men, one grill. Two men, one grill. That's Two exactly what it is. It's grillingaddiction.com, so you should go grill. check that out. <laughs> uh, men, somebody get grill. that URL right now. Yes, right now. <laughs> Two men, one grill, and that is, yes, yes. we're going to buy that URL before this uh, this show's over. Somebody it's, just it's head straight to Hover. Downloadability. Dot, head straight to Hover.com. I'm like rushing like going. as if this was live. <laughs> well, no. we already own like 50 other URLs, so... <laughs> Okay, Coming so at let's, you live from later on, here we are. <laughs> well, that's exactly the way it is. Coming at you from later on is we open with another flashback. And Noah Hawley is, is what is he, the new master of the backstory? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Way to, way to reel it in there, Bill. Uh, Do you feel, <laughs> well, you know, got to stay on track here. Yeah, what is with the flashbacks? Is it just, uh, I'm kind of sick of them, to be honest. I mean, it does give us some insight, but I always feel like, Flashbacks are kind of cheap. They are, but I mean, they serve a purpose. They're kind of the same thing uh, as like some of that like empty dialogue you sometimes find where it's like these characters tend to give too much information and explain things in dialogue to the other person that that other person clearly knows, but they're doing it for the audience's sake. And I think that so many people, I, th- I think a lot of people forget that these are TV shows and you sort of have to suspend reality a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, I get that. But sometimes I feel like a flashback is like a magician doing his tricks, but asking you to like close your eyes or turn around while he performs or, them. So like, yeah, here, or, I'm going to make uh, this rabbit appear out of thin air now. Turn around, grabs the rabbit, puts it on the desk. Okay, turn back around. Oh, look at my magic trick. It's like... They're just I, making you turn away so that they can trick you, and I don't know. That's that's my take to, on it. To this point, though, a few of the flashbacks I feel were important. The they, flashback yeah. of a uh, frozen panties guy, who I have taken to calling him. We had to know about that because that's the scene. That is Molly's case, so we had to find out how she's getting to where she was. And so we got to see just a little bit of sure. what he had and you know what? So it's So that's a necessary flashback for Actually, me. Actually... And maybe we're calling it by the wrong name, you know. Maybe it's not really a flashback because a flashback tends to be, you know, somebody else's memory flashing back. Sure. Where in a lot of cases, we're not flashing back to somebody else's memory. We're flashing back to a different time period. We're and time seeing, traveling. We're <laughs> and we're seeing what happened parallel to stuff we've already right. seen we're not we're sure sure I'll we're give you not that. seeing it through I, somebody else's memory so it's technically not even really a flashback now yeah that I, think I think about it's 
I think it's, it's less flashback. It's more. It's just not chronological. Uh, exactly. It's more the way they've designed to reveal the story. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and there are certain things at the beginning of the story that they keep you interested in the story because you don't have that information yet. And then as the story progresses and you get to know the characters better, I feel then they choose to reveal certain aspects of the storyline and the plot. And then you go, oh, that's the money or that's the ice scraper. Right. You just, know, it's like you I, think like you're this genius. And like when I heard you guys doing that and Sharpie had that theory, I was like, ah, damn, he beat me to it. <laughs> and then after I like listened to a couple other things online and stuff, there was a few other people out there floating that same idea. And I was like, oh, maybe, I mean, maybe they purposely set that up. Oh, yeah. Like you actually look back at it. And it's like it's just sitting there paused on the ice scraper for like <laughs> five full seconds and it's like maybe i'm just a moron <laughs> okay so here's here I'll, I'll play i'll play baby devil's advocate because i i agree with both of you that yeah we don't need to call them flashbacks but it's the easiest thing to describe them so whatever we'll agree there there's a word for it it's it's disjunct it's it. disjunct time shifting but um <laughs> Thank the you, thing Bill. I'm thinking about is Bill, okay. So Bill, why why Bill. are they showing it to us? And I don't know if they need to show this, but the only thing I can think about is is it's not just a it's not just a. I feel like they're going to put something else out there that we may see more about this. But to me, in and of itself, it's just one more piece about why Lester is very easily pushed into something he wasn't necessarily needing. The dude was looking for a pair of socks, and he somehow ended up with a shotgun. He gets his nose busted. He wants to get it fixed. He has a conversation with a guy about what happened, and next thing you know, he's getting somebody's this dead. guy's, somebody's murdering somebody for him. <laughs> and I think it just ties back to the fact that Lester is really, he wants to do a lot of things, but he can't, he, he's, just not, he's just not good enough at doing some of them, and that's why he's the way he is. And maybe that's what that's all about, is it's just reestablishing. And a hey, lot of people can relate to that. He, he gets talked into things he doesn't necessarily want, and that's, that's the deal. I mean, like, who shops for socks and gets a shotgun well, with pinhead, <laughs> pinhead shells, by hey, the way? Hey, Joe, $55 seems like, and I... I that's a just, cheap shotgun. Okay. <laughs> that's a cheap shotgun. I'll, I'll say that. That's a cheap shotgun. I don't know the quality of that shotgun, but then I actually... That's what I, I was thinking. I thought of it, and there was two things. I looked at it, and one, it had... Uh, uh, the end of the barrel looked as though it was a more expensive. It had like than fifty five dollars. Yeah, it had, it had a modified choke. It in had it. chokes in there. Yeah, you saw the chokes in the end. Those it are threaded a, chokes. Those are usually a more expensive system. or newer model. I yeah. should say shotgun. Uh, but then on top of that too, I was like, well, it fired. You know, fifty five bucks. It fired. I don't. You know, I mean, I don't know. It may Seems have been like a, a fifty five dollar trigger pull. Yeah, right. <laughs> How do we know that guy wasn't just trying to get rid of a hot weapon? Right. That's true, yeah. I think that could have been it. <laughs> you know, uh, bringing it back a little bit, a flashback of our own here, but you bring up, you know, how Lester kind of, you know, uh, broke his nose, goes to the hospital, and he just, uh, you know, happens to have this conversation with a hitman, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, Hess is dead. Um, throughout this series so far, uh, Lauren Malvo has been so... Um, methodical in every thing he does and absolutely every base is covered and he's setting people up and he's putting things in motion but the one part i still can't ever seem to understand is 
why did he take the risk of killing Hess and and getting and getting involved with Lester? Right. It, it doesn't make sense. That's the only thing that doesn't make sense. And and maybe they'll reveal a that. A man but... who's so calculated, who could easily exactly. bypass this entire situation. Is it like that? Is that how? Well, I mean, he truly you see, is he's just like dancing it's, around. On it's his game. natural instinct. Yeah, but it's not because look at him with with Stavos. Did I say that right? Stavros, 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 Milos, Milos, Stavros. Yeah, uh, you know, you look at that situation, and he goes up there for a job, and I don't know still, you know, if he had the whole time in mind that I'm going to cross this guy over, or if he was actually going up there to take care of this ransom situation, or how that whole thing unraveled. But you look at how he's taking control of that situation and is making it work for him. And same with the situation with uh, um, driving through Duluth and getting caught by Grimley, the world's worst cop, by the way, on the planet. He's getting there. He's getting there. <laughs> but uh, Not know, getting to be the worst, I'm see, saying he's coming around. You see how creative uh, Lester can be with... Um, you know, setting people up and 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 you know playing this game of chess, it seems. Lester or Lauren? Lauren, sorry. Okay, because uh, I was like, sorry. Lester sucks yeah. balls at chess. That guy couldn't it play checkers against himself. So unlikely that he would take a risk like talk to somebody like that at a hospital and then just you know. But right. at the same time, I guess that shows his malice, his um, you know, cool under pressure attitude. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe what he's doing is he's it's just it's the kitten with a ball of yarn thing. Yeah, it just entertains him. He's, he's just yeah. he, he's he's out of car and he's <laughs> like, Well Got nothing well, better to do. Where where else are <laughs> where are there vulnerable people who have vehicles? I don't who knows. But anyway, we Sorry. Just, we'll, we'll let's um Yeah. He's just the grim reaper. He is. He he's he God. does live up to that. Um, he's God. He's playing he's with just everybody. Kind of everybody. Like supernatural. Barely float. He's just floating above everything, kind of passing through, seeing who's gonna get it, seeing who's not. He's got that very. He's got that Kaiser Sose thing going <laughs> yeah. on, where it's like, is he real? I know he's real, but these people they know who he is, Grimly, and um, uh, or they think they do. Molly and all. Well, but they at least know he's involved. You know, and Lester knows he's involved, and these guys now from Fargo know he's involved. But at the same time, again, like Grimley brought him in, it's like nothing's going to stick. And we can get into some of this as we go through the recap of the story, but uh, everything that he does is going to work out in his favor as far as like uh, Lester. Um, he's the one who had his hands on the shotgun, brought it down. He's the one he went shooting with his brother, so he's going to have gun residue on his hands, you know, when they eventually start pinning some of this on him, I think. I don't think they will. Malvo's going to be able to basically get away with murder, you know? I don't think the show will work properly if, if Molly and Malvo don't have a showdown to avenge Vern. It's too, it's too huge of a loose end. Right. It's too. It's just too big. It would be like, oh, let's just, you know, it, I don't, wait. I don't want to spoil another show. Oh, screw That's it. true. Fun. You know, it would be like in the end of Breaking Bad if if Walter White just goes walking off into the distance and is like, well, gonna go set up in San Jose now. Right. You'd be like, fuck that. That yeah. shit is not gonna happen. Yeah. 
he's had he's catching all his breaks now, and they're going to eventually end, I think. Because all the other pieces are lining up. And why are they lining up? Well, because Lester and Wrench numbers are in jail. So that's the end of our flashback time yep. travel. Which is exactly where I wanted to, you know, get started with the episode. Because that's right where we left off last time, and I was so excited for this interaction. <laughs> when they opened with that wheat field or barley or whatever, I couldn't see it close enough. I was yeah. like, no, you cannot screw me over on this. Yeah. I need to, I need to know. You can't have him just sitting on that bench, just sweating it out and not letting me know and just cut ahead. Yeah. Did you see Thank uh, God. at Spacey Girl on Twitter, at Spacey Girl, she uh, mentioned that it was like the beginning of a Weeds episode, which is a lot what it was mm. like. And I thought also, it was a lot more like Old oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, and also a nod to Old oh Brother Where Art Thou. But they're especially with the uh throwback Carter family music. Yeah. Which is kind of like the little boxes song a little bit. It's not like mm-hmm. grass, but I actually really liked that opening. Yeah, uh, that was a great the opening, opening credits. Yeah. With the music and everything. We should have probably caught Sharpie seemed to have caught it on the hot dish last night that it was harvest because you caught the place sense of time because there was still standing fields of wheat and, and barley and stuff. I just like the um what was what was the line with um numbers when he says eventually you just swallow your tongue and die like a fish. And I was like do fishes have tongues? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they do, yeah. I think. But hey, just one more one more tie to a, a fish. Yeah. Animals that keep repeating on the show. Well, and then did you see in the preview for next week? Am I didn't I too far ahead here. Don't say anything to us yet. Okay. Okay. We're not there yet. Okay. We stay focused on this episode. Just this. Okay. No problem. <laughs> no problem. That we didn't. That we didn't watch the show. We didn't watch the show live, so we didn't see the post FX. Okay. Like so you didn't see stuff. like the coming so we, up on we Fargo. We don't see right. those a lot. Okay. No. And I kind of like it that way. It doesn't. No, I that like way, it that I don't, way. And even if we, if I was presented that, I would not watch them. I don't like watching the. Or I wouldn't bring them up scenes. because I'm trying to. But you don't like the. You don't like. To we're get talking the about what going. Yeah. Hey, so my question too is, so who paid their bill? And I don't know. I thought that was interesting because, again, to me, that seems like a risk to get into jail, and now you're, you know, quote unquote, in the system. I mean, you, you know, no matter what who you are, you know, they got booked, they got fingerprinted. fingerprinted I, I don't know. Everything, you're yeah. now in. Yeah, I'm I don't guessing know. these For guys, two guys who kill people. I don't know if you'd want to just like willy nilly put yourself through the process of getting fingerprinted. Yeah, it seems like you could have just waited for Lester to get out one day later. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess I wonder why they just didn't camp outside the jail, seeing as they seem to have known. They know where he is. It was unless you you know know, we go back on our theory that they got into that fight on on purpose. You know, I think that's why they did. I really still think they got on that fight on purpose, and I think they're. I think it's a time. I I think it's a time sensitive issue. There's something that we don't know about because I still haven't figured out why. Why was why they care so much that why, Hess is dead? That Hess is dead, you know. So, and then we eventually cut to Molly folding some clothes, and she sucks uh, at it. She 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 sucks at it. <laughs> Joe's like, that's not how I would fold that. But there I was a, there's the background. If you listen to the background, there's a a thing talking about snakes and pythons, and that they remain motionless that before was a they great strike. Catch, Bill. I think I think uh, the snakes and serpents are also very. Very religious symbols, and and I sure. think we've been talking about how smooth Lauren is all the time, but maybe what he's doing is just waiting it out, and that's why no one's dead. When nobody died, who dead next? Nothing. 
again. Right. Well, Worst somebody's dying next week. Ever. I know that for sure. <laughs> I think there's going to be a flurry of some stuff. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be shootout at the OK Corral style. This next week, somebody's dying. Five episodes left. That's and, it. And I have a couple ideas of who I think it might we'll be. We'll save that, save that gonna, for who I'm going to save it for who dead next, though. All so right, Molly finally right. just says, Molly just says, no way around it. it. It's almost as if she's just, she can't, she can't take it anymore, and she's just going to... Clump her boots right into to Bill's office. I just forgot Bill's last name. Oswalt. Bill Oswalt's office. And uh, she goes in there and gives him a little what for. And I like the idea that he's going to... I kept thinking it's the heating up. He's beginning to heat up. He's NBA Jam. NBA Jam. He's on fire. He's just all over Stormwatch, but that slow progression, which... It's like his gears are so much crappier than Molly's that, <laughs> that she just like has to stand there and slowly like l- draw dots to yeah. dots and and then like like she she should yep. have taken the whiteboard and just taken it all together for him but he fills in enough gaps and well and how about they've got the the deputy sheriff there in his office with him trying to like keep his attention with the snow plows and stuff man it just seemed like such a real scene. Slapper. Oh, it seems oh, like such Jesus. a real scene, though. I, I go through that all the time. Like, um, you know, you'll be at work and, and talking to somebody, and somebody else will come in and just, oh, hey, by the way, you know, whatever. And it's like, I'm doing something here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, but Molly had a valid point. This was obviously more important than well, the weather course. that was not course, currently happening. Course. Now, a few episodes from now, when they don't have all three trucks that they need, someone's going to die <laughs> yeah. because of that. Because they couldn't one get with, them plowed one out. One with a baby plow on it. Oh, Just man, we just got baby the baby plow. plow. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, we should have. Oh, Lester's going to be caught behind the baby plow yeah. or something. Playing so, chicken. But, but everything was really, that, that was, yeah, that was, everything was really lining up there. For a bunch of stuff. That's I. Th- I feel like this show is all about lining the dominoes up completely, so you can just start picking oh, them off. Yeah, I think big that time. at least the end of that scene. Um, I think the end of that scene was very uh, rewarding for everybody. Like everybody yeah. loved that. Like Bill people like finally, finally coming on board. It's just like Jesus. oh god, yes, release. Bill finally had his first breath of fresh air out of pulling his head fully out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> finally let him color in the book with outlines. Yep. <laughs> I I feel like he... Bob Odenkirk's doing a really awesome job in that role, the, by the way. Yeah, because he's believable. Because at the same time, you know, that's a police chief's job, too, is to tell, you know, his you know, officers, look, even if you know this is the case, we can't just go pulling a Grimley here and arresting people without evidence. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, Grimley you know, is now an adjective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lock, lock that shit up, You don't want to pull a Grimley, okay? <laughs> yeah. Technically, I guess that'd still be a noun. Unless you were it, it would be Grimley. You're getting, yeah, don't grimly this thing. He grimlied it. Yeah. Oh, God. Not another <laughs> grimly. <laughs> yeah, he grimlied it. Oh, terrible. Um, I got a terrible case of the grimly right now. But you talk about a guy who uh, Malvo's got his number. Holy smokes. He sees that guy coming and going, knows knows where he's going before he gets there. That's true. You know. Um, I think this is a good time for us to quickly take a, uh, a break here in the show. Yep, and we've got we've got people that make this show possible for us that that help out with the fraying some of the costs and 
um, you know, buying Matt drugs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kidding about all that. They just they they help make the show possible, and we could not do this without Tag. Uh, tag, tag is Tag. You got to go to Fargo. Tag, jeez, I'm Tag Fargo. Tag Fargo. You got to go to Fargo, and then get on <laughs> yeah. the internet. On the Fargo. We got Netscape Navigator. You can only access their website from Fargo. <laughs> you guys are killing my my lines here. You can only go to Fargo websites if you're in Fargo. Right. Yes, yes. that's how the internet works. Exactly. Right? Anyway, this week's episode is brought to you in Using part AOL. by Tag. Tag celebrates the true Fargo community with true Fargo swag. That's what we're telling y'all about. They've got t-shirts, art, and more, and merch available online if you go to tagfargo.com. They have all sorts of new spring colors in and a bunch of shirts, and they they are giving us a hell of a deal here where you can use the promo code FARGO and get... 15% off your order. Was it 15? Nice. Yeah, 15, 15, yep. I heard that last week, actually. They do not ship outside of the U.S. and Canada, so if you're one of our international listeners, we thank you so much for listening to the show. You should actually come to Fargo. We'll take you to the tag. Just jog over we'll, to the border, and we'll, we'll toss one over we'll, for we'll you. Take it, we'll, take, we'll take you just a few blocks Bill down from Bill will drive our, up there on a snowmobile yeah. and throw <laughs> one over the border even for though you. It's, even though it's spring, summer here, and we'll just drive across. Bill they, they actually has out. one of those like t-shirt shooters that you yeah. see at like, NBA games. Yeah. Yes. Just and he just goes to the border and, pay, and gets his PayPal <laughs> orders yeah. and, and fires shirts yep. over the Yeah, we do border. it with Square. Bill is willing to right now... Guarantee that if uh, this is the most people from Canada, no, they ship to Canada. Okay, I don't know why we're talking about a border. They can't. You said said, international. I said they. We don't ship internationally, except I said, but we do Fargo. (laughs) Fargo. You know what? You guys ruined this whole. I I wonder how I didn't understand. I'm gonna have to go buy Jade like 15 beers for this. (laughs) I said they do U.S. and Canada. We don't do like you know international orders. We've got Joe. We've got people. Do they do Australia in Denmark? I would assume so. Okay, anyway, here's the bottom line. Go to tagfargo.com. Ignore everything Sharpie and Joe just talked about. Find yourself a kick-ass shirt and just buy it because you're going to get it for 15% off with the promo code FARGO. Try to remember really need the, If you really need the T-shirt cannon, drop us a line at podcast at fargotalksfargo.com. We'll talk. Okay? How's that? Jade should buy a t-shirt cannon. You two need to get some shit out of the way before we record these shows. You've got like some grade school giddiness happening right now. I don't know. If they can slap each other's ass, they probably would. Positive energy. Hey, we haven't hardly talked since, you know, Joe kicked us off, Fargo Talks Fargo, as a first guest. That's right. Well, that's not my problem. You don't call your friends in between shows. (laughs) I've just reminded people that, you know, Joe was here from the beginning. That's right. He's checking in halfway. Numero uno. You mean that stuff I talked about right at the beginning of the show when you weren't listening to me? I was listening. <laughs> oh God, you're a jerk. Okay, so where are we at in the show? <laughs> we got to go to. We, we're going to Duluth, which Come is on. not in Canada, so you can get your T-shirt from Tag there, no problem. You're in Duluth, <laughs> okay? You're it on turns the out Gus Gus sucks at the. Speaking of sucking at the internet, Gus Grimley. Nope. <laughs> Got to use the daughter's computer because it's yeah. probably Windows Millennium Edition, which is way newer than what he has at the precinct. <laughs> he was being a dad. He was checking her history. They didn't show think, that part in the show. Yeah, that's what was really right. going on. He was just in there making sure she wasn't having walkie-talkie sex with yep. some boy. <laughs> he Gross. Is I can't believe I just code. said that. Ugh. So, but he got no. We're we're Gus realizes that Lauren's 
Like, why is he still in town? He's obviously here for a right. reason. So he's he's putting his own piece together or his perception of what he sees is happening. Like, and and he's so so yeah. So he's well, and he's almost got the wires connecting because he's going. <laughs> why that corner? He why even is he thinks on out that loud corner? like yeah. a total moron. And you just want to be like, but he's on he that corner because. On the street. You know he, Gus, he knows you're going to be there. Here's you know? the deal. Gus Grimley's lips move when he reads. I guarantee it. Right. Okay? He breathes through his mouth all the time. <laughs> but obviously the package that Frank... lip mover. Yeah. Obviously the package that Frank Peterson requested before Gus picked him up covered the web. Because they probably did the exact same web search yeah. when they had him and found the photo and were like, rup, rup, he's real. Because everything on the internet's true. It's 2006. Well, it was interesting, too, that, uh, you know, they did, I mean, granted, in that situation, I don't know what, you know, a, a police officer would actually do, but, um, you know, they 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 pull up the file, and they see that this guy is an actual pastor, um, but they just sort of, like, take the word, they call these people that say, they say, oh, was so-and-so at the bingo on Tuesday night or whatever? Yeah, yeah, he was here. Yeah. But they don't, you know, necessarily check to make sure that this guy is actually him. I mean, didn't they fingerprint him and then a name come up? No, I th- I don't think they cuz if you haven't been ar- I don't I just don't think Lauren's been arrested, so I don't think he's got prints in the system. Right. He's too cool for that. Yeah. I think he probably grafted somebody else's fingertips to his, so he doesn't really care. Yeah. Well, either way, either way, so Gus is on the search. I guess they'd be Lauren, still his fingers. Lauren is also on the search for a police scanner and some other goods. Uh, that was a great scene. Let's take a listen to that scene because, <laughs> as I said on the that Hot That guy's Dish, a I good believe, actor, whoever the, plays the yeah. drug dealer police scanner the, guy. The selling drugs and electronics equipment out of a stark white van labeled liquor in Duluth. Hey, I kind of want that van, though, by the way, like with the drawer in it and like the full setup and TVs pretty kick and ass. stuff. It's pretty cool. Well, let's, uh, let's take a listen to this here. Do I look like I want a pink police scanner? <laughs> I don't know. It'd be a gift for a lady. <laughs> and in your experience, uh, police scanners, is that a gift ladies get wet for? I had not once. Owned a riot shield, made her own jerky. I'll just stick with the black. <laughs> okay. Anything else? Yeah, I need a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Afraid I can't just sell you one stretch. See the coming pairs? He says, come in pairs, and there's two screens with two wolves on it. I thought that was (laughs) notable for a little later. Sad story. I still got to sell you two. Hey. I love this. Maybe you could make a friend and give it to him. (laughs) Maybe I could give it to you. Call you up late at night. (laughs) You could listen to me shit on people. Uh, yeah, no, that guy's not going to take Lauren up on his offer. He doesn't want to listen to Lauren shit on people. That's Lauren. That's Lauren's second, <laughs> second poop shaming of somebody. Yes, first the fire hydrant, <laughs> yeah. now, now drug van guy. <laughs> yeah. I I just wanted to see. Yeah, I said the two wolves on the screen. Hat, they showed it right when he said pair, and then eventually there's. Yeah, that some, is interesting. So maybe there's a you know, if if uh, Lauren is one wolf, who's his other companion wolf? There is no companion wolf. They come in pairs. He just said it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we're gonna skip ahead if we're gonna talk about the wolves that started. <laughs> no, wrong. that's that. We'll uh, the one that. wolf killed. The one wolf killed the other wolf. One thing I wanted to, in oh, that true. story. I wanted to uh, 
talk about how I absolutely <laughs> love uh, when Lauren shames someone and it's really funny, like that guy, <laughs> and he does it to Chump all the time. And yeah. like, uh, he go, well, who knows you're at the pet store? My mom. And then he goes, <laughs> do I sound like goes, your mom? Well, do I sound like your mom? And then he goes, mm, no. <laughs> and then he goes, okay, well, let's figure this like out. He's, all, you know, he's it's questioning like he, his answer even. <laughs> you're right. But he never just comes out and says it. Like even when they were in the closet too, you know, he's like, well, you know, let's, let's walk through this and then completely just, you know, yeah. destroys the person. Speaking of Stump the Chump, we end up at uh, at Chump's house, and uh, we talk a lot. I'm going to mention the uh, the coffee table book thing, just in case somebody yeah, doesn't listen do. to the somebody doesn't listen to the hot dish, and they're only listening to the full episodes of Shame. our stuff. But the coffee table books, the one that I could read the easiest was Turkish Bath Interiors. <laughs> <laughs> this guy seriously has a dream. I mean, he's going for the really six gr- inch he marble. Really cares about it. six inch marble. I was like, that seems excessive. <laughs> you, you know, but that's, it depends. That's a lot of wasted square footage. It might be, but, you know. That's true. Not in a Turkish bath. I guess Evidently, not. I mean, this, he's done his homework. Well, do you have a Turkish bath? I don't. I don't even have a book about could, Turkish bath interiors. Jeez. Could you tell if you were, like, standing on or sitting on or leaning on six-inch marble as opposed to three-inch marble? <laughs> right. Thank you. That's kind of my point. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> So he, he comes there and he, he eventually he's he's only he's only there. I'm just here to keep the show moving tonight. Well, you two. Hey, so Bill likes six inch marble. That's okay, it. Sorry. Have you ever been to a Turkish prison? No. Tell me something. <laughs> yeah. Surely you must be. Yeah, sure okay. Okay. Let's not get in an airplane danger. Okay. Um, we we get we get to the point where he basically shows up to 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 keep Chump in order and then to use his phone and record Which, it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Fancy box of tapes. What were you going to say, Joe? Uh, Well, I feel like I'm just too eager here. I'm just chomping at the bit, jumping in here. But um, back to, you know, Lauren being smarter than everyone, you know, and I think in some of these cases, it's not that hard. I think a lot of these characters uh, (laughs) aren't necessarily too street savvy. But uh, he comes in and every time he makes a phone call to Stavo... Stavros. 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 Milos. Thank Stavros, you. Stavros, Milos, Milos, Stavros. Every time he makes right. a call to Just the call king, him the Greek. I'll call him the king. The king. Every time he makes a call to the king, he he has Chump do it. In, the, in this case, he calls, but from always house. from his house. And then I think, too, when he then after this locks him into the pantry, that does two things. It keeps him under wraps so he knows where he's at. But at the same time, it also um, creates a non-alibi for him. Yeah, me no and, one knows where Chump is while during Malvo's that. out, and he'll be like, so, "Oh, I was at home, locked it." This yeah. ties exactly oh, who to can what tell you, who can vouch yeah. for you. you well, know? this is exactly this exactly plays off what Mia said last week, right? Yeah, Mia, Mia pointed out last week on the podcast, and, and, and that that was the whole reason he called the pet store. And the lady, oh, goes, exactly. lady yeah. goes, Don Chomp. And he's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's me. So now he's established. It's my name. Yeah. He's I'm, been he, at the pet store. He, he purchased with his crickets. credit card 500 crickets. He's been oh, making calls from his house or whatever. Uh, his call to the calls come from his king. house. Yes, exactly. So, and yeah, and then is, even the bronzer just, on the note, you know, he's got the note still, I'm sure. He's got tapes of the conversations. Um, 
everything. Yeah. You know? It's definitely happening. He's setting him up. Or trying oh, he's to. He's setting Chump up big time. So not good. Things are not going to end well for that guy. <laughs> yeah. So we finally we finally get to the phone call. Uh Chump is all excited. Oh, you oh you're gonna call him. And then he says something about you gonna use that uh, voice thing <laughs> the voice thing again. It makes sound like it sounds like a transformer or something. But here's, here's the call boy. That, yeah. Luke, Luke. But here it is. Here's here's the clip. Where were you? I was hunting. Hunting. It's too late now. Yep. I, I'm going to pay. The blackmail, I'm going to pay it. Tell me what he said. It doesn't matter now. I broke a promise. Me. So I got to pay. Look, I can find the guy. I just need a few more days. I couldn't sleep last night. I kept going over and over it in my head. And God brought ten plagues upon the house of Pharaoh. And the last is the death of the firstborn son. What exactly do you think is happening? The firstborn son. It's book of Exodus. God is watching and he knows. He knows what? I, I told Semenko to take Dimitri someplace safe till it all blows over. He thinks I'm crazy. You think I'm crazy? We're only as good as the promises we keep. Ooh, burn. Yep. Is he Me up in an hour. We'll get the money. You know what I just He's noticed so in, the, in the box of tapes? There's a tape in there, too, oh. that uh, is labeled Semenko. So he's been, yeah. Mm. He had that one recorded, too. Well, I'm, I'm assuming every phone call he's made, he's recorded. Yeah. I'm willing to bet anything Malvo murders someone next week. He has to. Yep. He's too hungry. He's been, he's, we he tied up hunting. a lot of loose ends at this halfway point. So, yeah. Shit's about to get real bloody. Right. Yeah. And I, I was not, the minute, I read a lot of people online who were, were like, oh my God, I thought he was going to drill Chumpf in the head. And that's I'm just, what I thought. That's, that is, that's just not his, I really thought he that was going to his thing to like drill somebody's head alive. Chump's head while having a conversation with him because that's how dumb that guy is. <laughs> no, feel... that seems more like something that Numbers and Wrench would do, not Lauren Melvo. Chump. And Lester, Lauren Melville, are kills. I'm take saying like un- he'd be drilling into his head, and Chump wouldn't even realize what's happening. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> outside outside of the guy he dragged out of the office, all the killing we've seen Lauren do has been like stealthy, right? He's not. He wasn't about to sneak up on True. Chump. True. Good point. Yep. Stab you in the head. Walk up behind you with a shotgun, and I sh- and he shot him in the back the first time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everything's I mean, been in the back. He killed the. I mean, okay, I don't know how he killed the dog. I didn't see it, but Sam but the bottom was line in the is, back of the head. Vern was in yeah, the I back mean, of the back. The back. So back. I just, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. That just didn't seem like his style, and it seemed too, too. I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It seemed way worse than getting shot in the chest, almost point blank with a shotgun. But either way, it it happened, and I don't know <laughs> the chump line where he's talking about. A million dollars. It's like, how, I mean, like, how big is that? Does it fit in a suitcase? He's got to be pretty and heavy. And he's got like the whole thing about wanting to lay in it and roll around <laughs> yeah. in it. Just, yeah. He has such a single-minded focus on his six-inch marble Turkish bath. Right. He, he couldn't see anything. He's completely blind. Brian, that Brian, that bird, as Joe Riley will tell you, he's completely blinded 
by his desire to get what he wants that he's and he's just so excited about it he doesn't even know I mean, oh and he he's so even, close to it and he's he's like you said he's already got the bath built in his brain he's 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 ready to do this and now well, he, he he's so naive to think that lauren is his partner in this he and opened, that he's not going to just get hung out to he the saying he wanted to like get some money for his stavros like wife and now he's just like right get that you haven't even she hasn't even talked about her yet but yeah whatever yeah so funny so uh ambulance ride lester's out of it Fester, festering lester's got yep. some issues and molly is trying to interrogate him in there, which I, a little bit means like, is this even legal? Can you yeah, even yeah. use anything know he says? About that. Any evidence that you turn up from that? I mean, that was my too many days watching Law and Order has made me obviously a lawyer. Right. Can you question a guy that's gone septic? I don't know, <laughs> and it doesn't know what he's he's saying. But I think it's a pretty poignant scene, don't you think? I Sharpie? think it's it it is an awesome scene. It is when things like. Lester starts to say things that mean something different to him, but because Molly's got this the own her own version of what's taking place in her head, what he's saying, she's making it fit to her story, and that's where things start to click. So she kind of gains some confidence in her case because of what he says, even though he's not mm-hmm. re- really referring to what she's thinking. If that makes right. sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we here? Let's play that, and then we'll talk about it okay. a little bit more. Puncture, maybe. Hard to tell with all the gore. Mr. Niger, can you hear me? Oh, it's, uh, towel sound. She's, she's washing towels. Mr. Niger, we're getting you to the hospital. Mm. What, what happened to your hand? Socks. What about socks? Well, for 50, $55, he threw in the shotgun. Mm. I don't understand. Were you shot? Mm. Mr. Niger? Did you pay Lord Malvo to kill Sam Hiss? I never paid him. Okay, offered to pay then. Made a deal, and then when he came for the money... I never paid. I didn't pay. Yeah, okay, but arrangements were made. And then, I don't know, you tell me, things went south. Excuse us, miss. Interesting. So there right. he is. You know, she's, there's so many things even afoot like there. narrating her story to him. Yeah, she's she's putting a little bit of words in his mouth. He's mumbling yep. stuff. He brings up the socks though, which evidently ties to the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like some of it again, you know, she's sort of relaying it out. I think for the viewer, in a sense, uh, because I think you know most people aren't completely dissecting the show and watching it twice and stuff like we are. But you know, so I think some of that might be a little bit of. Okay, remember I'm I've arrived at this point where I'm aware Lester and this Lauren Malvo are working together here. You know, how how did this come about, you know? Yeah. Was it you not paying? Was there an arrangement? You certainly hired him to kill your wife, right? Or kill she never, Sam Hess. That's the thing. I mean, she never no one's even said, "Well, what happened to your wife?" It's you know things right. went south. She they says probably that, just but assume she was uh, maybe you know wrong place, wrong another, time. Another thing about that shotgun is, it's just one more thing he regrets. Right, he's got this bullet. He's got this pellet in his hand that's eating away at him, like his guilt. And now he's thinking about it, and because he, he had those, he has those weird flashes to the diner to meeting Lauren and yeah. stuff in his house, and 
and he's thinking I, I if think, I had just I think never the weirdest even had part the about this is that he has he's never had any flashback or regret about his wife being dead. Right. He's only pissed that Vern got shot. Right. I think. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't give a shit. I mean, his memory is still man. That wo- that woman just was a bitch to me. She just treated me like shit. Yeah, and she was. So that's the thing. It's this fifty, this, this shotgun, and I got the money for it. And Lauren, and there was no deal. I never paid for it. And ugh, he's just. Mm-hmm. If he could have done that in his state, he probably would have just been like, "Ugh, God, <laughs> what the hell." But either way, I just I thought, saw her talking to him. I'm like, "What are you going to produce from this? Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be the smart cop." Well, she did sort of deduce that he did, in fact, have some kind of a like that's the first time he's actually admitted not whether it be you know yeah admissible or not that he had some involvement with lester yeah i don't even know if he's coherent in saying that but in her mind she's with getting him to say lauren well i never paid him i never paid yeah, him you right know, like so that scene happens and then I, i'm it's i don't think it's that important right now we just we do find out that numbers and wrench get some information possibly from some Bemidji cops who has a slightly Irish accent, but I don't think it's real important to the discussion tonight. The bottom line is, is that they've got the information they need from jail and they're they're working on it. Yep. And I think we'll right. find out more about that in another episode. I think um, some actors' Fargo accents just sound a little bit Irish. Yeah, they do. I don't think we need to read <laughs> into the... Yeah, we, we definitely don't need to read into it. Like, he's a, no, some no. sort of Irish guy. <laughs> no, I don't think he's an Irish guy. I just, no. it was, you know, it just happened, so... Yeah. Um, so then we're back in Duluth with uh, Gus, and he's drinking some hard stuff, some milk or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, him and the rabbi neighbor, or whatever he is. Well, he's clearly the guy who drives the the mitzvah tank. Mitzvah, mitzvah yeah. tank. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so he's some kind of a a rabbi or and what? You know, he's got the parable. Nobody in Duluth closes their curtains either. Yeah, apparently not. Yeah, his <laughs> wife nor him. Yeah. He thinks, I feel like when he asks him that question, he's talking about Molly, and I can't decide, I, I think it's a mixed message on purpose. Which he, question? You can't, when he, he talks about her, he says, when he says the question about, when he eventually gets to the whole, what if you knew somebody was doing something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, but when he talks about Molly, he calls her amazing, and it's in, it's, I think it's a point that's mixed on purpose that you can't decide if he's talking about her police work mm-hmm. or her as a person. I think both. He's talking about her as a detective being yeah. amazing, and I think clearly they've set that up as a as a romantic, um, you know, At relationship. Least until Lester and Gina get something going. Yeah, or until Grimley gets the axe Oof. knocked off. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that happen. You don't think I don't so? Either. I don't think so, no. No, nah, I don't think that... I don't think that... Noah Hawley's going to leave his daughter just an orphan. No, I don't think so either. I think that's too harsh. Yep. I don't think hmm. Gus Gus will die. He'll like get shot or injured. Oh, that's that could be. He'll get but shot he or injured, and he'll have he like a blanket die. over him, and he'll be in the back of a fire truck, and Molly will be like t- <laughs> with a blanket with <laughs> yeah, a blanket. No, you talk with a blanket about wrapped the, around him. It'll yeah, be no. the complete reverse of a typical like Romantic. final scene in a movie yeah. where the guy saves the girl from the evil villain it's yeah. gonna be molly saving grimly from lester picture the end yeah. of die hard one <laughs> molly uh, is die bruce willis right yes mclean yes that's oh. that's probably her name is probably molly because it is a tie to mclean 
Yeah. And uh and Lauren is the weird Swedish um, <laughs> uh, villain, <laughs> you know, who wants to take over the world or yes. what? What's what is his name? The blonde the blonde one you mean. Or you mean uh the dude from from uh, Nakatomi Tower? Yes. Um, Prince of Thieves, yeah. God dang it, why don't we know his name? <laughs> It was the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, it was. <laughs> this is terrible. That I neither always of us remember. He's from his, Harry Potter. I He's from all sorts of movies. The sheriff of Nottingham, not yeah. like uh, Snape been in or Snipes. Oh yeah, Snow. He's Professor Snape. Snapes. <laughs> God, why are we talking? I've about never this? seen this such Harry a rat Potter. hole. <laughs> what? What's wrong no, with you? Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, we've this. That's a rat hole. So I let's yep. just. <laughs> That's okay. Let's come back out. So he sits and he has this conversation with obvious, and it's obvious that they're not buddies. But somehow the guy just invites himself over and Gus is Hans like, Gruber. Hans Gruber, <laughs> played by what? Played by what? Say his name, uh, because he's in mall. He's in um, the Kevin Smith movie with Matt Damon and God dang it, Chasing anyway. Amy. No. <laughs> God, stop it! it. Just Why did you have to bring up Hans? Why did you have to bring up Hans Gruber? Well. Uh, anyways, I mean, to me, clearly that guy is some kind of obviously like spiritual, um, you know, so and so Alan Rickman, because he (laughs) is like trying to guide, um, uh, Gus, uh, you know, that guy gives shitty advice. I know that he tells a parable where the end is suicide. And I didn't even think about that until Carmela told, sent me an email about it. What parable ends with somebody offing themselves? And the lesson is, the world's you a terrible. Know, I, pl- the world's a terrible place. Fuck it, give up. I did find that the um, <laughs> that the lesson to be learned in that parable was really, really dark. It's I mean, because it's not that a one man. One man is basically naive to think they can solve the world's problems. But then, like Gus says, he's like, "Well, God, don't you know? Don't you but at you, least try?" You, yeah, like, he says, "Yeah, but you got to try." That's the thing. Gus won't give up. And well, right, but I mean, like, who's satisfied with that? Like, oh, well, world's a shitty place. I might as well drive my gas-guzzling, carbon-emitting, you know, beast of a car and, um, you know, waste water and use plastic and not recycle and uh, screw my grandkids. You know, the world sucks anyway. So. <laughs> I'm never going to cut rings in the pop tops. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let <laughs> yeah. a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna let a, a dolphin. I'm gonna let a dolphin die in that. <laughs> I think Sharpie, you were you were gonna. There was something you wanted to bring up from this this whole scenario, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was brought up by uh, we just read a, a review on FilmSchoolRejects.com, and this is by Christopher Campbell over there. So shout out to you. Good observations. Um, the the story the parable is told by that Jewish he, guy. He did not like this episode, by the way. What's that? The gist of it also, just before you get to your point, was he did not like this episode at all. He mm. called it an unfathomably weak mid-series. Right. Yep. But he I makes think there was a, a lot, lot of catching of up to be done. Throughout the article, and I'd recommend it. We can put the link in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. It is, he makes some pretty valid points. And one was that the, you know, quote-unquote parable that's told by uh, Gus's Jewish neighbor is about, you know, like, fuck it, you can't really change anything, you can't fix anything, you might as well... I mean, give up. Give up. Yet, he is sort of playing one of, the, like, the neighborhood's night watchmen. So it's yeah. like, if you're telling a story about, like, 
fuck it, you can't really do anything, you can't make any changes, but you're the night watchman, that's kind of sort of conflicting right there. And and even more interesting to that, I just realized Lauren proves that point when he like kind of threatens him on the sidewalk saying, hey, yeah, you can install an right. alarm, but most people don't hook that up to the phone or you could hope your neighbor hears. He kind of reiterates that story now that I right. think about it saying, no matter what you do, I'm still going to get in there well, and at the same time, that's though, right. I think that exactly right. a little bit of the point of his parable is also like, you know, the world's a messed up place and you can't expect to solve the entire world's problems. So, you know, kind of focus on yourself and your neighborhood and your community and your family. Who are no? the people in your neighborhood? <laughs> in but your neighborhood. One, one thing <laughs> that I wanted to point out from that scene is, again... Uh, Lauren drives the king's car because the first thing I thought of with that scene was, okay, guy, get the license plate. But even if that guy <laughs> were to say, hey, there was uh, there's an a I shady in character it. in my neighborhood and, uh, you know, check it out. Here's the license plate number. It's going to come back to the king. It's not going to come back to Lauren Malvo. Stavros Milos Milos Stavros. It kind of the goes king. Come on, just say it, Joe. <laughs> say it, Joe. Say Stavros Milos Milos Stavros. Stavros Milos Milos Stavros. Boom, he's got it. Well, it Uncle goes Jesse. along with his <laughs> whole, you know, that's kind of how he just skirts across the, the land, the world, is he... He's floating. He's not... Floats he's in not... other people's vehicles. And he and like you guys said at the beginning of the show, he is he's the out feather of a, of a Forrest Gump movie. Yeah. <laughs> Never right? know what you're going to get. <laughs> that just happened. No, go ahead. What you were saying, he he, he he's floating through the movie. He's floating through it in what, Sharpie? He's just floating across the land in other people's vehicles because he doesn't drive his own vehicle. And it's like no question that. You, so he drops the king off, and or he's. I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But uh, yeah, he's just cruising Let's- along in other people's cars, and nobody seems to notice or care. Right. Because he's the invisible Grim Reaper in the right. form of a deer. Just like when he snagged that station wagon way back in the series outside the grocery store. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's just like, oh, open door, running car. Walks out Wham. of Phoenix Farms, <laughs> jumps in the Vista Cruiser, yeah. and is off. Yeah, the Mirthmobile. <laughs> and, but, so Gus lays, in, you know, yeah. he's. We kind of cut ahead to the whole... Gus talking to the neighbor thing because that's that's later. Yeah. Oh. But so we let's let's come back real quick to Gus lays in bed and just out of nowhere just goes nope. Yep. He, it 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 took him that long to f- basically I, I think what he was saying nope to was the parable. Okay. He's like it took him okay. that long because he's so agreeable to people because he still hasn't like yeah, stepped right. up. Molly, Molly went to Bill Oswald and said, "No, no, no, you need to listen to me. Here's all the dots I'm connecting. S- just shut up about Stormwatch and listen to me." And he slowly has. Gus hasn't gotten there yet, so his neighbor is even telling him, mm-hmm. you, "There's nothing you can do. Don't you, you're trying so hard. Stop it." And then his neighbor leaves, and <laughs> Gus is still having the conversation, mm-hmm. and then finally is like, "Nope." Yep. So he goes and takes off, and he's he's there. So that's where we leave him, and we cut back to Lauren and Stavros going to Phoenix Farms. Evidently, maybe Lauren needs a new station, a new ride. Yeah, right. Well, he has. So he hasn't. He hasn't kind of wandered off since we cut ahead. But uh, I think the only point to make there is that Stavros is 
is is now much like um the the heads of police and and sheriffs in that he can't he's so he's so like hell bent on his mission that he can't take the time to listen to the fact that dumb as a trunk Dimitri has figured out that somebody bought all the crickets slash grasshoppers slash locusts right right. And he's so busy just being like, I've made God angry. Hold on, let me mm-hmm. fill my bag. Dimitri well, gained I- some points on a couple levels in this episode. One, that, his realization, and he's like figuring it out. And he's, he's you know, he's not like completely, you know, dumb. Moronic. Moronic, or, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, uh, but he also yeah, gained he some points the at the beginning when you saw that Stavros, Stavros Milos Milos Stavros had like an actual love for his son. You know, as much as he ridicules yep. him and treats him terribly, he cares a lot about him. Uh, and you see that in this episode. And so, like, that's at least good. Like, at least the king has something of a feeling for Dimitri, well, even though he treats him like absolute shit. I think you're 100% right, because actually when I was watching the show, that's at this moment made me realize how again the the writing was done so well because they're now allowing you to see the genius of Malvo who realized right away what's Stavros's weak spot yeah and he really only has one weak spot and it's his son but you're not led to believe that right away no, not and at all. And then now you, think, you see you that hey, as, as dumb as this kid and is, legacy, and his, and his heart, his, yeah, yeah, and as hard as he is on this kid, at the end of the day, that's the most important thing to him. It's more important than money and anything. And and you kind of think back to that scene when he finds the money, and he's desperate, and it's the it's it's his son Dimitri that's going to freeze in the car with no gas, and he's got nothing left but you know this son. Um, you know, that he needs to provide for. Yeah. And then the money magically appears. And the money is the same thing now that might cause him to lose his kid again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good turnaround to um him driving and finding the money and being nobody and to coming all the way back around to family first for him. Right. Yep. Hey, and by the way, did you guys ever cover the fact that the money isn't, like, supposed to be the exact money from the movie? It's just kind of like a nod to that, right? Must be? No, it's the exact it's money. It's the exact money. It can't be, though. Why not? Well, because... We're talking the, about this now? Well, yeah, but at the beginning of that scene, it says 1987. That's when Fargo yeah. was. That's when Fargo the movie no, took Fargo place. No, Fargo was, like, 96 or something. No, that's something. when the movie came out in real life for us. It took place. <laughs> was it 80? That <laughs> Holy <Fargo>? shit, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why else would there be a cut a cut list that looks that shitty in nineteen ninety six, Joe? Yeah, but I'm trying to think though, eighty seven. We don't want to go down this road, Joe. No. <laughs> no. Okay, fair it's enough. It doesn't money. really make a difference whether it's the, it's the same money yeah. or not. Yeah. It's okay. it's the real money. Uh, I just tried to describe it to Joe because I knew he would know old cutlasses for some reason. <laughs> like he's like, because you remember the Doherty's had that like tan cutlass. Think about what year that was from. That wasn't actually that was an eighty six cutlass. Anyway, side note. We'll hmm. talk about that later. All right. I think it's a great time for us to take a show break here. Let's do it. And uh, Sharpie, I think you got this one. I got this Hit one. Hit it. Um, do you want me to mess up your show break now? I do you want, want Joe yeah, and I I'd to love... just like interject in it? Yeah, sure. That'd be <laughs> there. <laughs> it's the hostile show. Just kidding. No, you go for it. You go for it. We love these guys. Uh, oh, Scott's right hey, behind you guys. Who makes that beer? 
Oh, what is that? That is the sound of a cool, refreshing wood chipper from Fargo Brewing Company. Wood chipper IPA is a pretty awesome beer. Big thanks to Fargo Brewing Company um, for supporting the show. We can't do it without these guys. They give us tons of beer and equipment <laughs> to do the show. This is your worst ad yet. <laughs> I feel like I need to take this over. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm good. It's okay. Freaking Scott. Tell Scott to... I don't know. You you keep saying this. Now I got to edit shit out. Stop okay. talking about Scott standing back there. Um. Yeah, Fargo Brewing Company. They've been great great uh, support for the show. They have a wood chipper IPA, which is really awesome. If you are in the Fargo, Minnesota, South Dakota kind of area, you can get that. If you're in the Fargo area, stop by the brewery. We have a secret code word for this week. The code word is Rome. So if you are in the area, uh, you can stop by the tap room at Fargo Brewing Company and say the word Rome for this week and this week only and get a dollar off a pint of beer. That's pretty cool. And their, hey brew- their tap room is uh, located in their brewery on the corner of University and 7th Avenue North if you've never been there and you're listening to the show. Or in fact, if you're listening from anywhere outside of the brewing area, Totally come here. They're yeah. open Saturday. They have tours. It's it's fantastic. Visit downtown Fargo. You won't regret it. And we couldn't do this show without the help of the guys at Fargo Brewing. They're great. And they've got some really great beer on tap in their um, tap room right now, too, that they don't have in cans or anywhere else. Anywhere else. Because they've got the 1.21 Giga Hops, which is like they're, they're just, oh, God, it's so good. That is the double hopped IPA. Yes, and they didn't have- they have a double- They've got a bunch of stuff going on. Or you no, should, what's the... Oh, uh, nothing, it's nothing, the one that, nothing it's, is more black? Nope, no, now it's the... There's one that is uh, Day at the Beach or something like that. I just saw it. Because nope, it's, it's Craft Brewery, and this is the one they did with coconut in rum barrels. Awesome. It was, it, there was one that was nothing more black or something that was... Because uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's the line from Spinal Tap. Well, they don't have it anymore. It's so black, there's nothing more black. None more black. None more black. Black, always a good color. <laughs> so, here we Airplane go. Airplane and Spinal Tap. Work Airplane both of those tap. in to the episode yeah. tonight. This is ridiculous. You can't even fold it. It's finger sandwiches. <laughs> um, so, we, we end up coming back to Stavros and Lorne, and they they leave his place, headed to make the big payment, and... Lauren gets in a big kind of chat about bringing back up his St. Lawrence, you know, which very interesting to me because he was playing all these angles to get him to pay the money. Mm-hmm. And yet, even in in the fact that he, even in the fact that he's getting it done, he still needs to pester him about his religion. And then they have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play the clip. I don't, uh, I don't. Well, I'm saying that the Romans, raised by wolves, they see a guy turning water into wine. Well, they do. They eat him. Because there are no saints in the animal kingdom. Only breakfast and dinner. Yeah. And he even before that, you know, he talks about the greatest empire being founded by wolves, and I still think this ties back to just some little... Little nods to it. The the drug guy at the van who sells the walkie-talkies and electronics as well. Yep. There's two screens. There's two wolves. And 
he talks about Rome, and then there's a really crazy story about a dog, <laughs> the Rottweiler, and it's like <laughs> I think that too. Story. I think that's I think that's a incredible story that was uncomfortable and horrible, and it's just to remind you. I think they're doing a good job of it, but every once in a while, poking us and reminding us because we kind of get enamored by Lorne. Mm-hmm. Well, we're like, oh, he's he's so dark and whatever. It's like, oh, look at Don Draper, what a crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's just forget the fact that he's a total alcoholic who's shitty to his wife, bangs girls and leaves them, and like is totally damaging his children. But goddamn, his hair looks good. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at, I think that's what not I love Lauren, about Lauren, so not many new shows. Uh, it seems like more often now you see these main characters of these love the really enemy. good. Um, television shows, yeah, that are so dark, and they're actually horrible people. Yeah, like Chris Brown. But, but yeah, <laughs> right, but exactly. I mean, like this is, Chris these Brown. are modern day Chris Browns, <laughs> right? Except but I mean, in look, real life, you hate Chris Brown. But look at like look but at the Dexter media just like and epitomizes him. So yeah. many of these other characters, uh, Breaking Bad, you're cheering for a meth dealer. Yeah, I mean, if that, you know what I'm saying? I mean. You be you become it's so much more interesting these days to not have the cookie cutter good guy always win, mm-hmm. you know. And and in a way, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I can't remember if it was earlier on the show or if this was before the show when we were talking about who we think is going to get killed and all that. And uh, you were talking about how you couldn't see, you know, uh, Gus getting killed or Molly getting killed. And I think that that's the, um, you know quote-unquote safe route or you know typical route but like part of me sees lauren as the one riding off in the sunset yeah you know i mean lauren's setting everybody up so well and knows everybody's move before they do with the exception of molly you know i could see malvo being the and if he did ride uh, off into the sunset Sunset, sausage the, sunset. And if he oh did yeah, right I'm with you, buddy. It's the wood hey, Tell us, tell us what's going on in this. Sharpie, what's going on in Boulder right now? What's going if on? You're, you're you're not in your normal town, are you? Uh, if he did ride off into the sunset, would you be upset? No, yes, I would. No, I, would I think be upset. that's a fantastic. No, you ending. wouldn't. He'd he'd be leaving in the same way he entered the series. Yeah, in a shitty. Mid nineties, uh, four door sedan just riding off into the. Nobody abyss, wants to hear a story you know? about like in the end. It's like, look, it's Jack the Ripper. He's got a a fistful of cotton candy and a hooker on his arm. Look at that beautiful ending to this story. No, there, you've got it. Shit's no country wrap. for old men. <sighs> you know, yeah. you I have mean, a little bit of a point there, but this is TV. I think this is not TV. This is a new genre. TV. This is this is this is a long movie. Yeah, and that's why I think too that you know they're they're looking to do something that you, clearly they want to do what's not expected. Yeah. And I'm not saying you know maybe they want us to think that Malvo might be the guy who gets away with it. Yeah. I mean, in the end, I can't imagine a different ending than having Molly be the one to figure this all out and and get everyone arrested and you know whatever, but. Before that happens, I know Malvo's going to kill a few more people, and I think he's going to kill them this or way. Or he's going to get them to kill each other. Exactly. Okay, so we we, we got to start running towards the light here, the end of this right. show, and I'm only saying that just for you guys so we can do this. So we, we, we get to the Grimly Residence, but we haven't talked like we normally do about the show title, which is The Six Ungraspables. 
I'm really lost on this this week. I, I'm not gonna lie. I saw a lot of people talking about the six on grass bulls and some tie back to some Buddhist things and 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 it's like all the five senses plus the mind and et cetera, et cetera. But I read a, a, a great article from the City Pages, which is a, a Minneapolis publication by Tatiana Crane, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I read this one really early. This is like one of the first articles I read after the episode. And she wrote something that I was just like, how did she put this together? I'm kind of confused because I tried to find a couple other people that said this and I couldn't. But she's reminded about a completely different parable that involves six things and something that is ungraspable. I mean, grasping something is, you know, putting your hands around it, being able to wrap your head around mm-hmm. it. So it's basically the, if you look up uh, blind men and an elephant, you will find a, a story and there's a, a very famous one. It, it It's really old really old and eventually got turned into a poem by John Godfrey Sachs who died in like 1887. So I mean like this shit, the other shit's way older than that. Here's the quick rundown on it. Six blind guys all all end up feeling and being told to describe an elephant to each other. And an elephant is huge. You cannot hold an elephant in your hands and say, I've got this. Here's what it's like. It's there's some smooth Mm. parts here. The bottom line is each of them touches a different part of the elephant and describes something completely different. Oh, I'm feeling his sides. He's strong like a wall and he does this. And then mm-hmm. there's another one that grabs his leg and is like, he's sturdy and has a pillar of this and there's a tusk and he's a warrior or something. And the bottom line is, is that they, they don't, they argue over who's right is here. I'm just going to read what she says. The blind men argue over who is right about his perception, but unless they agree to trust each other, they won't be able to quote unquote, see the oh, elephant yeah. as a whole. And I think, and then I have to just read this because I'm not going to say this better than Tatiana does. She says, we've got six people connected to, and there's strike through this next part, the elephant in the room. It's a joke. Haha. Malvo, six people connected to Malvo. He's the elephant, mm-hmm. right? So Lester, one, the hitmen. They're two for the purpose of an entity because they're a pair, so they're one. Mm-hmm. Molly, Gus, Milos, and now a reluctant Sheriff Bill. They've each seen a different side of this predator. Remember those shades of green from eating the blame? Understanding little bits and pieces the others don't know about Malvo, and now it's up to them to step back and see him for what he really is. Only then can they then someone catch this sly fellow. So they all have, like, somebody's got his leg, somebody's got his tail, somebody's got the tusk, somebody's touching his ear, somebody's mm-hmm, doing this. Exactly. They have all these things, but yet, without their collective knowledge and agreement with each other that they're on a path together, mm-hmm. they can't actually figure out who he is. They don't know it's a fucking elephant. Well, she did a great job because I was actually, before this podcast, kind of going back over the shows and sort of, like, trying to think about, like, okay, like, I started to get on that sort of a concept. I couldn't obviously articulate it like that, but I was like, okay, so you've got all these people and they're all tied together, yet they're not really on the same page yet. You know what I mean? And and the only thing missing from that is I don't know how um, uh, we'd fit Chump into her analogy. Yeah. But I, I certainly don't think he'd be one of the six because... He doesn't need to grasp anything. I think he thinks he has a full grasp on the mm. elephant, but he's a blind man. He's clearly a blind man. <laughs> um, he does not see. His but he knows. He knows doom. something. That fucking guy is gonna die. If well, actually, I, he might not die because it only works out if he lives. Because it only he's works gonna out take, if he lives. Right. Exactly. He is going to take the heat on a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it doesn't look good for him. So that's that's my take on that, and I don't know if you agree or disagree, Sharp, because I had to share this with him like yeah. five minutes before we started recording. And I think the I think the logic is is 
brilliant. I have no idea how she came across that. I don't um, either. We we might reach out to her and see if she wants to come on the show be because cool. I seriously haven't found anyone who I don't and maybe I just didn't Google correctly. Google. Google. I, I just no, don't I don't understand <laughs> how she picked that up cuz I saw everybody else talking about some Buddhist other stuff, different stories and whatever it happened. Cut right here. Sharpie, are you there? I'm here. What just happened? Shit. Your picture went away. Bring it back, and we'll just keep talking here. I'll pick up where I left off. I'm trying. As soon as you guys showed up, everything broke. <laughs> Tell them to turn their phones off. They're eating up turn all the shit. Phone, turn your phones off. Turn your phones off. <laughs> We're wrapping You're it up. You're eating shit. <laughs> so we, we, get to the, we get to the Grimley residence, and uh, Sharpie and I commented last night that the skyline of Duluth is... Incredibly yeah. more what? fantastic. I saw than, that. I was like, that has to be Minneapolis, right? No, it's. We decided it's just Calgary, <laughs> but no one around, you know, outside of people from Duluth, they're going to be fine, right? Um, Molly and Gus have a phone chat, and they think I just said they just made a crime date. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I could think. <laughs> junk, junk, Law and Order style, and uh, the mitzvah guy tank. Mitzvah tank guy and Lauren talk, and he calls him a nudnik, which I was like, "Yep, he's got to be the Jewish guy yeah, who owns the that Jewish now officially because the... he just called him a nudnik." I picked up on that though when they first had their conversation in the house, only because I just got that real, like, spiritual guidance, you know. And it, I, I think yeah. that's a stereotype of a rabbi. But yeah, in, go ahead. In any and, case, go ahead and Wikipedia mitzvah tank. There's a whole thing about what mitzvah tanks are. They oh. they're all over the place. Okay. Um, I do want to know what. I, I wish somebody, if somebody listens to the show and they know Yiddish or Hebrew or something, at the end he says like Hialeah or something. He like he like almost curses Lorne out in what I mm. could only assume was like Hebrew or something else. And Yiddish, I just perhaps. I couldn't I couldn't even begin to know how to spell it. But uh, so Lorne kind of threatens the guy. He gives him the Gus. He gives him the Grimly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't pull a Grimly. He yeah. gives him the Grimly. The yeah, whole, he does. Yeah. You've got kids. Da da da. Um, See, and I think that that. Kind of harkens back too to how good Lauren is at finding someone's weakness. You know, we were talking about um, Milos and his weakness with his son Dimitri. I think, and I mean, I guess kids are usually a pretty uh, simple, you know, weakness to find. But don't you think that uh, you know that's just one more, you know, example of him being able to isolate someone's weakness? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and use it in, to his I, I advantage. Saw, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, now he knows where Gus lives. Right. And a, a small amount of me was like, he already knew. Well, you like, watch him watch hard? it, because and then he sees like the he light. But... Like, Lauren doesn't know how to operate the internet or a phone book? Right. Well, clearly he does, because he got his picture on the internet somehow as that yeah, creature yeah. or whatever. But So we go back to the hospital, where, you know, uh, I was... Uh, and Bill is being the loudest dipshit in the hall ever, and there's a nice little funny <laughs> moment where she's like, so she, you decided to come out here in the hallway and be loud, and then they all leave. But kind of an interesting, bright moment. Between, Another way for her to have to spell it out to him. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you how it is. Another bright moment is because earlier in the night we found out that Ida had had her baby and named it Bernadette. And there is a moment where Ida is... Is is realizing that, um, the only the only the only person she understands to be competent 
is Molly. So when Molly shows right. up, they talk about the baby briefly, and then she's, she's like, clearly no dummy. Yeah, either. she says she something. Can tell tell that, she's uh, like, she's like, just take care of it. Her only hope is Molly. Yeah, because she she's just already, tell me. I don't want the details. Just tell me you're handling it. She's already because she's already seen Bill show up with the guys and and be a bunch and of knows dorks. that they don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, they know, but they they don't know enough and. I think the I thought for a minute that this whole it's the world's a terrible place. There's nothing you can do, and and then, but you have to try. And I thought, oh, there's there's birth now, and there's this new baby, and it's like for somebody this is all starting over again. Yeah, and, and I think they're trying to show you too that Molly is the beacon of hope. That she is the one that if anybody's going to get this figured out and take care of Lauren, it's going to be Molly. She's yeah. going to figure it out, and she's going to, you know. She's going to do it. Nail his ass. I predict one survivor and it's Bernadette. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a pretty safe bet. I have a feeling they're not going to kill the baby. She just rises from the ashes and walks away. No, that would make her Phoenix. No, well, she didn't die. The supermarket rubble. The supermarket (laughs) queen of Bemidji. (laughs) A whole new. And then she ends up being the new. Twice I'm singing tonight. Who gets the money, though, in the end? Bernadette. That's the real question. Bernadette. I think the money. I think the money disappears again and comes and back. Comes in, back in, in another season, in season show two. of something. Season two, eighteen years later, in the mm-hmm. future, everything's well, going to be in I don't know self-driving guys, cars. It's it's going to turn out to be the uh, uh, money in the Big Lebowski that disappears, and you know everybody thinks he's actually throwing out the window, but it's just his dirty laundry. The whites. Yeah. So <laughs> she peeks in on Lester. Nothing happens. And the show ends. Yeah, but she does creepily that give this maniacal, very ominous little, little Kathy Bates checking yeah, in on yeah, James Con. <laughs> Lester's just in there, just like uh, like a little kid who knows he's supposed to be awake, but his mom opened the door, and you know he's just sitting there like, oh, yeah. "Fuck, I'm just gonna pretend like I'm <laughs> sleeping and I'm not, but I'm gonna just don't move, yeah. and she might not know, you know." Okay, so let's do let's do this. Let's do who dead next, so we can wrap up. Joe, we'll let you do the. Oh, I'm just see now. Joe has seen things. He watched the preview for next week, so I feel like he might be tainted. But we gotta let him do it anyway. Joe, if, if there might be multiple people dead next week, right? So why don't you tell us who you think is who dead next first? Well, I am predicting multiple dead next week. I'm predicting at we least we just want the next one. Two minor characters, uh, at least one character that we don't know is going to get killed. I just have a feeling. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing in the uh preview for next week that you guys haven't seen. Okay, I'll just ask this right now. Is it key I mean Key and Peel are probably going to show up next week. You don't know for sure if it's Key and Peel. You do see a little bit of a flash of Lester in a little bit of a physical right altercation. They could. And and wouldn't that be token for a show? You know, the two black guys finally get in the show and they just kill them right away. Two black Jeez. guys get on Fargo and then they die in the first episode. <laughs> Immediately in that episode. Um, but no, I'm not predicting that. Uh, at first, I was going to say that I think Chump's going to get it uh, right away. But then I, I got... But now to, you can't because you know, that I, would ruin everything. He's, I he's, really he, can't think be that, a, he can't be a dead scapegoat. Yes, exactly. He's going to be scapegoat. Because then so he who killed out. him? I, I'm going to go way... It's not way out on a limb, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I really don't think it's going to happen for sure. But if it does, and then I'm going to look like really smart and cool, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to pick Grimly. Gus, he's gone. 
kill him. Definitely not. So I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Nobody, nah, no, nobody wants dead. a daughter without a, di- a daddy. The king's king gonna could die. be dead. The king's just going to die of a heart attack. I... <laughs> Gosh, Ooh, I, don't, my, a, I think for a, my I think for my who dead next, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with Mr. Wrench. They're gonna catch up with him and they're gonna get into some sort of thing and one half of that relationship is gonna I actually thought to that bite, too. Bite, bite the bullet and and, and and it's gonna be the deaf guy and he, exactly. it's only gonna be the deaf guy because Lauren kills people from behind and he won't what? Hear him coming. Yeah. Well <laughs> and then like I said, in the preview for next week you do see Lauren in a little bit of a struggle with someone. You can't necessarily tell who it is. <laughs> is it he wearing a nineteen seventies like fringe jacket? <laughs> no. Yeah, you didn't see a bunch you of tassels flying around you in that. You can't like... see the tassels flying. He He's, I think, maybe strangling with something, so it could be a tassel, a leather tassel. Uh, but um, I, I think that that's a really good guess because also those two now have figured out that Lauren is... They know who he is, why they want to get him, and what he looks exactly. like. Exactly. They got the information. And they know where who he is, is. And they know where he is, yes. So I think that there's going to, at least at a minimum, the hunter Lauren being hunted. the two guys from Fargo will be meeting. Okay. And I think you got a good one because obviously they're going to kill off the deaf guy before the guy who, you know. <laughs> I just wanted to say because God, they want to hear him go. <laughs> I think she Okay, Sharpie, Sharpie. All right, let's do this. Sharpie, who's, who's your According who's to Joe's your who logic, either the deaf people, the mute people, or the black people have to die. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the really dumb kid, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Just because he's dumb. So lame. Now that Joe's offended most people. <laughs> Who Sharpie? Who do you think is dead next? Not how many people. Just like who's like gonna die next? Bernadette. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not who lives next. Who who is it, Sharpie? I hate just throwing people under the bus. Well, get it done. Uh, Who do you want to see die? Yeah, how about that? Fine, I'll give you an out. Who dead next? Not who should die next. Who you want dead next? (laughs) I'm gonna go with uh, the deputy. That's like the the understudy of Bill Oswald. The, oh, the, the guy, the guy from the um, the guy that got punched in the, the face. G- yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the guy that plays Doug Heffernan's uh, cousin on King oh, of Queens. Yeah. I think that he is actually related to someone. Isn't, Kevin James is he related to Kevin James? <laughs> he seems like he should. He be. looks like he's like his cousin or something. It's like the, that's that's the best casting ever. If he is, we'll look that up look online. That. Is that Kevin so, James' cousin? So that's that's the show. We're going to wrap it up so Sharpie can get on with his conference he's attending in, in Boulder. So thanks so yep. much for joining us uh, from out of town. We know you got a lot going on this weekend. And big thanks to Joe Riley for coming on the show this week again. Thanks, Joe. Uh, from grillingaddiction.com. If you want to check that out, just go to grillingaddiction.com. And, and then how, what you guys are actually on the radio here in Fargo once a month. Is that what it is? Or mm, yeah, kind of. We don't know. We don't know. We're okay, never mind. I never said this. And so... <laughs> So anyway, guys, it's it's gonna be great. We can't, I can't wait to watch next week because it's been too long since somebody has uh, been shoved in an ice hole, stabbed in the neck. Yeah, I want frozen some murder. We we are bloodthirsty assholes, and we're ready for more. So, yeah. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you, Sharpie. Until next week. All right, let's do it next week. <laughs> oh yeah. See you then, brother. All right.